Hello and welcome to Amateur Radio Topics. I'm Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey, and in today's episode we will be talking about travel. Well, more specifically travel for the Baru Commonwealth Contest. So each year, quite a few operators leave their home QDH and go off in search of some far-flung and exotic location in order to activate that for the contest. Uh, this undoubtedly makes the contest more fun and enjoyable for all the other participants uh, taking part in the contest. And for the people that are traveling, uh, the contest probably becomes a lot more fun and enjoyable, and they're certainly in demand. So we're lucky enough to have accounts from three travelers for this episode. We have Mike, a G3VYI, who travels out to Gozo, operates as 986YI. And Don, G3XTT, goes to the Gambia, uh, operates as C56DF. And Colin, G4CWH, uh, he goes out to Cayman in the Caribbean, operates as ZF2CA. So I think you'll enjoy their account, not only of the uh, contest experience, but also the travel experience. Hi, this is uh, Mike, G3VYI, and back in the UK after being 986YI on Gozo. Uh, brief story of our trip. The XYL and I like travelling for Beru, best contest in the world. And uh, we plan to emulate Peter G3LET's excellent trips in the past to Gozo. And after some advice for him, from him, we uh, decided on taking uh, the ferry from Genoa to uh, down to Sicily to Palermo. And we have a nice ca camper van which was full of homebrew aerials, an FTDX10, uh, one half kilowatt petrol generator, and lots of aerials. The choice of aerials was an 80 meter base loaded vertical, a 40, 20 and 10 meter vertical, 15 meter elevated ground plane and a fan dipole. So we actually only had one mast to take and all the usual stuff. The FTDX10 was chosen, uh, just got it just before the contest because it's got an excellent uh, receiver and um, spectrum display, something new to me. So we set off and by the skin of our teeth got the boat at Genoa with our COVID pass just valid because you have to have a PCR test. So that was nearly the end of the trip by two hours. Then overnight boat to Palermo, drive across Sicily, see Mount Etna, which luckily had gone out. Pozzalo ferry down to Malta, to Valletta arrived there at midnight and they thought we were smugglers uh, with a van full of stuff but because we had a, a license excellently arranged by the Malta Communications Agency that was okayed and then the next day short ferry to meet Colin 9H4CT on Gozo who had arranged a really nice site for us in the southwest and it was on top of a plateau with 300 foot up um, cliffs down to the sea on two sides 
uh, great takeoff in all directions and also a pond nearby so we thought perhaps it would have some ground conductivity which I think turned out to be true. Friday before the contest um, XYL and I put the aerials up which was all okay lovely sunshine everything working and we had uh, the gear set up or well, the FTDX10 just on the table it's very small uh, in the awning of the camper van and um, the generator in a separate tent so all seemed good uh, come the morning of Saturday set started off on 10 meters a few contacts with um, uh, locals really 5b4 and so on but not much happening on 10 then down to 15 and lots of G's and a few VE's then down to 20 meters uh, lots more G's same ones uh, I have to say the first contact we had on 15 uh, which I think was the first in the contact was GB5CC thanks Chris that was magic to start the contest with a HQ then anyway on to 20 meters in the late afternoon lots of VE's uh, Caribbean G and um, I think one or two VK's then down to 40 more G's uh, lots of um, VK's couple of ZL's more and more Caribbean which was great 9Z4 where the hell's that that was good um, and then unfortunately by this time the weather had got a lot worse and a huge storm had blown up and we were on the top of this cliff top site and the awning started to come to pieces and we got very wet and I had to move the rig but uh, we carried on generator kept going in its tent even though its tent looked like it was going to blow away then about two in the morning the um, mast came down that held the dipoles up that folded in half unfortunately the top half the top pole was just plonked on the top so it then when it folded it just fell off and the aircraft was now on the ground so we had to take a couple of hours to eat try and get the awning back up so I had some um, protection from the weather ended up sitting half in the van and half out on the steps um, and rescue the generator tent and dry things out then carried on back on uh, 40 meters um, about four in the morning first contact ZL6HQ thanks then about five or six more um, ZLs which was amazing very good sight uh, only 100 watts but everybody seemed to hear me or some stations really struggled to hear me because conditions were not that good I think conditions were quite poor 80 meters was quite difficult but I did manage to work about 28 stations on 80 um, but, and, and there was this woodpecker thing whatever it was getting in the way as well it didn't help then 20 meters around five in the morning loads of ZLs and 15 opens VKs and um, a run of G's 10 meters never really did much from there we had um, ZD7 5B4 but not much I think I only worked about four stations on 10 it was quite disappointing but I think not having the the high dipole wasn't good we had a low vertical and um, end of the contest it stopped raining sun came out 
which at least helped us to pack up. So we had about 570 queues, really, really enjoyed it. And um, surprisingly, apart from the one mast falling down, it all worked quite well. And it was great to work everybody again. So there we are, thanks. This is Don, G3XTT, with some thoughts about my recent operation in Baru as Charlie 56 Delta Fox. This was my fifth trip to the Gambia. I love the Gambia in the sense that propagation from there is very, very good in most directions. And it's also a nice warm place to visit after two years or so of lockdown. I last did Baru from there three years ago, 2019, and was hoping to at least do as well as that. I gave up on Barrow from the UK some years ago. Uh, it feels like banging your head against a brick wall. But it's a lot of fun from outside um, the UK. I've operated Barrow from 9G, from VP9, and uh, as I said, from Charlie 5 previously. A decision on entry uh, category, restricted. And no point in taking high power unless you've also got beams, because that's the way the categories work and I wasn't going to have a beam, so might just as well stick to 100 watts. Uh, so the radio of choice was my IC7300, and I took some wire, but basically Allen G3XAQ had left um, a multiband dipole and some antenna supports in Charlie 5 from his previous trips, and I was planning to use those. And one of the good things about going to Charlie 5 is that travel is a lot easier than to a lot of other places at the moment. Uh, all you need is your um, UK NHS vaccination certificate. That gets you into the country. And um, apart from having to wear a mask on the plane on the way out, uh, the, the rules had changed incidentally by the time I came back and there was no mask required, um, there was really no hassle at all. So uh, very easy immigration at the Charlie Five end. And there we go. So I, I arrived a few days before the contest. And my intention was to do some operating outside the contest. It's a long way to go only to work Commonwealth stations. And uh, it also gave me a chance to get the antennas up and, and see how things were working. The dipole Allen had left there was 12 through 40 meters. I'll get this right. Uh, so I needed something else for 80 and 10. I took out uh, enough wire to make an 80 meter dipole and build a 10 meter dipole in parallel with it. So a single feed to those two on a fiberglass pole that uh, Alan had left there. The multiband dipole went up on a metal telescopic pole that, that he'd left in the country. I was able to put those up on the, the first floor of a, a half built block next to the one I was staying in. And there was enough coax with Alan's kit to, to run feeders from both of them back to my operating room in the apartment where I was staying. Uh, so all set up and a little bit of um, operation on 30 meters, particularly to start with, and also to check out um, the 80 meter dipole and, and the 10 meter dipole and so on. Uh, 10 meters, funnily enough, uh, my first effort, I put out several CQ calls got one very loud American call me, so the band was obviously open, but nobody else. Went on to FT8 and worked probably 100 stations. 
Uh, so unfortunately, that's the, uh, the way of the world these days. Anyway, um, come the contest, what is there to say? Conditions were not the best. Um, 10 metres was quite disappointing, not a lot. And uh, I called ZS1C uh, several times without any success. I could have done uh, with a linear on that occasion. Um, 15 proved to be my money band, no doubt about it. Lots of, lots of Gs and uh, probably more VEs on there than anywhere else. Though I was a bit disappointed with activity from VE, I have to say uh, VE3EJ, CJ3A were, were loud constantly on, on the various bands. Um, and yet where were all the other VEs? Uh, I did work some nice ones, it has to be said, VE4 and so on. But um, yeah. But I had a lot of fun working back into the UK. I had some nice QSOs, um, uh, VK6LW with, with his uh, short call on uh, 20 metres, if I remember rightly. And um, ZF2CA, of course, uh, very good uh, signal. Oh, well, all bands except 80, where I, I think I failed to work him. 80 was actually a disappointment uh, compared with three years ago, probably due to conditions. Uh, but I did end up with just under 440 cues, which was better than, than my effort uh, three years ago. So I can't really complain. So all in all, a lot of fun. Nice to have some sunshine. Nice to be able to travel again after two and a half years. Nice not to have all the hassles of travel, which I gather Colin ZF2CA had going out to the Caymans through PCR testing and all the rest of it generally uh, a good time was had so uh, that's pretty much the story from here hello this is colin g4cwh and zf2ca for this occasion i've been traveling to the caribbean for some years now first to bermuda and then after nigel d3txf had used the zf1a station for a while but announced he was moving elsewhere i jumped at the chance to operate this big station out there after last year's remote operation, it was good to be back to the ZF1A station in person, although the travelling remains far harder still. I found myself thinking twice about which events I should attend in the days before travelling, just in case. Various meetings and a charity fundraiser dinner dance could all have cooked my goose, as could the travel itself, and until I was home that fun wasn't over, although in the end it remained uneventful except I learned that in some parts of the States, three-year-olds are wearing masks in the streets and it's becoming socially damaging. But it's very variable depending where you are in that country. To get to Cayman requires a valid test within 24 hours. So my routing from the UK to Chicago and some meetings meant I had to find a test in the US. Time was tight, so I opted for an airport test the afternoon before flying. Flight schedules are now thinner, so my flight choice from Chicago via Miami to Cayman was due to leave at 5 in the morning. The airport tests seem fine. You book it online and pole up. But then, you need to scan that QR code and fill in the form, says a 20-year-old manning the entry point. Up pops a long form on your phone, which involves duplication sometimes up to three times, no way to enter a non-US phone number and to have to sign as read eight long legal disclosure documents, some of which were about 30 screens long and in tiny print. Right. 20 minutes later and with much less battery, 
From a distance you could see a semblance of semi-cubicles with chairs and tables, rather like at home. But I was ushered to a 2 metre high vertical perfect screen with two 10 centimetre holes in it. There another teenager placed her arms through the upper hole and jabbed the swab up my nostrils. We were both standing, so accuracy was not good. I must have skipped a bit about signing up to allow for brain surgery. Keep remembering, this is your hobby, it's for fun. Anyway, I passed. Check-in at 3am was okay, except in Chicago they really do know how to do officious. What's that? the check-in lady said of my UK NHS vaccine app. I got out the paper vax tickets and she seemed to give in. Cayman has its own travel Cayman form and that can only be obtained by uploading a valid QR code and the UK app code worked. Aha! Benefits of the Commonwealth. Despite this, the Cayman border lady said, What's that? about the UK NHS app and also needed to see my vax tickets. My mother could never have managed all this. In the UK we've now relaxed so masks are no longer mandatory and sanitising is no longer even offered in most places. You walk into a shop in Cayman without sanitising and they literally scream at you and the supermarkets have someone at the door who will spray your hands for you. Masking remains mandatory. Finally I arrive at the ZF1A station. It continues to evolve care of host Andrew Eden's laid-back attitude and some dedicated US serial contesters. Antennas have been added, rotators almost all work this year. The problem, like everywhere, is the slowly creeping noise law. So frequently, antenna selection is actually about picking the one for lowest noise rather than for being heard. Sometimes I would set out to be heard and then switch around to make out the weak ones, or even detect if there was anything there. Having worked quite a few CQ Worldwides as QRP from the United Kingdom, I know only too well what it is like to struggle to be heard at all, and that helps me now to listen. The station has permanently benefited from the remoting project that I was able to use last year, although this does add some trip hazards for the unwary. Friday was spent just learning how to drive it, plus food prep to avoid any significant stops through the contest. The micro-ants come and go from year to year on the island. This is a medium year. I forgot, and at one point I left a mug of orange juice out of sight behind the laptop. When I reached for it barely two hours into the contest, there must have been a couple of thousand swarming the mug and running a little ant motorway across the table. They are so quick at this. So to the contest. I was on and ready on 80 and 40 by 9.30 UTC, but it was very quiet, quiet and unusual. I even had to check with my watch and calendar that I was actually on at the right day and time and, and at the right party. It was a slow start and immediate fumbling. I've gone back to DX log and have started using EnterSense message for greater efficiency, especially in pileups but I learned you can quickly get into a big mess with anything that's a non-standard QSO and had to turn it off. I now focus hard on the world map and where day and night actually are, and after the first minute soaking up the VEs on 80, it's now time to use the end of the night period on 40 to work VK and ZL, and much better this year than I have been. Propagation seems reasonable, but rate is a bit slow. Decision is then when to bail for the UK 20 metre opening. It's a fine balance, as if the opening to UK is too wide open, you simply drown in all signals and the rate is actually lower. 
but leaving all those VKZL area bonuses behind, it's quite a tough call. During the 20 metre pileup, somebody tried to QSY me to 15, right in the middle. Um, I don't think so. There's a time and a place for that. Then to 15, which was a re in a reasonable state. And even 10 seemed pretty decent at times, mostly so done by the fact there were fewer people there and that there were other local comps in the area to LU and PY, creating distraction. But once the sun had risen in VCANs, at L15 seemed best for rate, um, but 10 was sometimes the, the better signal, and 20 often really hard. And this dictates the QSY order, because you know, if, you, if you go to 20 too soon, you'll lose a station and never take them to the other band. And again, went to bail for the 40 meter evening opening, a points rate decision once the bonuses began to slow on the HF bands. I did make one particular schoolboy error. During the contest, I think in UTC, it helps me keep track of propagation as I know it from home. So at 1am, 15 hours in, I set my phone alarm to give me 50 minutes kip. And so I naturally set it to 2.30, which of course allows me six and a half hours sleep. Oh no! Fortunately, I woke up with a jolt at 4.15 knowing something was wrong. 40 remained reasonable, but 80 was at all times quite a slog. And my 80 metre Q count says it all. I'm not sure if they were not there or below the noise. There's a European-facing beverage, and this is an important option, even for signals seemingly not from that direction. Despite everything about propagation, I reminded myself again that it also requires somebody at the other end of the radio. If they are only on for a short while to tune around, and give away a few points, or maybe only one, they will likely not be up past bedtime. If you blink, they're gone. In Bob G3PJT's excellent history of the contest, Reflections in a Rose Bowl, V3EJ's tips of how to do well include topping up on sleep. This is not so easy for the traveller. After two and a half days of planes, cars, meetings, Covid tests, border admin and added jet lag, and with the sheer excitement of Baru in the morning, this means not getting a good solid rest that night either. So hours into the contest, once the adrenaline levels fall off, the drowsiness eventually descends, and at one point my ability to differentiate between CC and XX disappeared. Fortunately, the sender slowed right down, helping me back to consciousness, and this Caribbean station did manage to claim those bonus points, so nearly lost. Those who know me well know I can power nap just about anywhere, and some of you may have witnessed this mid-QSO. Following someone from band to band is the big fun in Baru, and of course it's useful to be able to predict the serial. So when operating SO2R and with networked PCs, and for the first time the number server issues a number that's out of sequence and backwards, what do you do? The other end repeats the sent number back with a question mark several times. Fortunately, VK2GR's Morse was up to reading, Number OK! Number OK! It's the logger! It's the logger. In the heat of battle, fighting the loggers seemed a far bigger challenge than being read at the other end. Being let out to roam after Covid, the world has changed. It's now clear to me that hotels everywhere are open, except open means apart from the bar and the restaurant that shuts early with new limited menus, and maybe just shut totally some days, and oh, we don't service rooms anymore, although on day three you can have a fresh towel and shampoo. We only allow one staff member on at reception any time. It's a Covid thing, you know. And I don't mind rusting the plumbing, it soon clears. 
I like water in the shower tray. But as previously stated, they all charge fully. Service organisations everywhere are now under new management with new front of house staff and with a consequent loss of corporate memory. People that knew you and cross arrangements with other organisations are long forgotten. Being in business, you have to fear of those who must have lost their shirts. Fashions have altered too. In restaurants, water and soft drinks are now served out of large jam jars with thick, coarse threads. I think this has an ageist element to it. Those of us with looser lips find ourselves dribbling. Renting a car in the Caribbean is always a dice roll. Mostly you pay a lot for a rust bucket with dubious and unbalanced shock absorption. And even more for the insurances and not needing to get into any local bother at, at any cost. You can buy renter's insurance, and there's a Lloyd's policy, I think, which is far cheaper, but the rental companies won't accept it. For the very first time, I had a new model, only 20,000 kilometres on the Odo, and the kindly manager gave me some sound local advice. Good, you have all the insurances, but remember, don't park under coconut trees. They regard that as negligence. Just as toast always lands butter side down, it seems coconuts always aim themselves at the windscreen. The true hazard for the uninitiated is, therefore, that the last empty parking spot is always the one under the coconut tree. Well, I'd just like to thank Mike, Don and Colin for taking part in this podcast and giving us a fascinating insight into what it's like to operate from a different part of the world during Baru. Uh, There will be another podcast coming up soon, probably within the next two to three weeks. We'll put something together. And in the meantime, 73 is from me, Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey.